Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. Throughout the month of July, we're talking about women's and children's health, and what better way to kick off this series than to discussing how to care for newborn babies. Having a baby is one of life's greatest gifts, but it also can be nerve-wracking experience for patients bringing a new baby home from the hospital. So here to answer your top questions is Dr. Emily Miller, a district medical group pediatrician at Valleywise Health. Dr. Miller, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I know when I was a new parent, which has been a while, bringing a newborn home was just one of the most, I will say, changing experiences, <laughs> but it is nerve-wracking. And how do you help new parents as they're being discharged to being able to come home from the hospital? It's a tough thing. It's very nerve-wracking, both for, for the baby and for parents. <laughs> That's a good point. Most parents have waited a long time to bring this baby home from the hospital, and they may have prepared a lot for the pregnancy, for the delivery, but some parents neglect to prepare for after delivery and how to take care of the baby and what to do with them. So sometimes it's like, uh, oh no, this is this is not what I'm ready for yet. I try to tell families, you know, it's it's a tough experience. You guys will get through it. Give it a few days. It may seem very overwhelming at first, especially when you're coming from the hospital and you have some extra hands in the nursing staff or the doctor that comes to visit you. And then you get home and it's just you and the baby. So have low expectations. If you can, try to have things set up ahead of time. So have your diaper station where you're gonna change the baby, have diapers and wipes available, have your safe spot for sleep or a place to set the baby down. If you need to run to the bathroom, have that ready to go. If you do have time, try to get some frozen meals ready ahead of time or something ready so that you don't have to worry about feeding yourself or feeding your partner. Certainly some people have family or friends that can drop off food or come over and hold the baby while you run and take a shower. Kind of getting that, that village together ahead of time can be helpful. As a woman's approaching delivery, is that a good time to establish that re relationship with a pediatrician that may be going to care for this the infant after they're born to begin to have some of these discussions as part of this pre-planning before folks go to the hospital? Certainly. Some clinics do offer what um, we call like prenatal visits or a a visit with the pediatrician, and it's a chance to talk to the doctor, talk, look at the office, kind of see what their philosophies are and see if you kind of align with the care at the office. Well, certainly a question that I, you know, remember having and things as my newborns came home from the hospital was oftentimes they still have a stump of the umbilical cord. How long does that stay there and when should we expect that to fall off? That's a, that's a great question. We definitely get a lot of those questions at the clinic and in the nursery before babies go home. Most of the time, the umbilical cord will fall off at around two weeks of life. Sometimes it's sooner within the first week. Sometimes it's three or four weeks after birth, but nothing necessarily to worry about. For majority of cases, uh, you don't have to do anything to it. Just keep it dry. Try not to get it wet. That's why we recommend just doing washcloth baths or wipes, not getting them into the bath until that cord falls off. So one of the things that also 
also struck me, you know, as, as a new parent, was how much rest and how much sleep a newborn baby has. Mm-hmm. How much sleep should we expect to see, knowing every baby's a little differently, mm-hmm. but how long should they sleep and how what should our expectations be? Yeah, and this is one of those tough things because every baby's a little different. A normal newborn, normal young infant can sleep anywhere from 20 minutes to two or three hours at a time. Certainly in those first few weeks, first month or so, it may seem like they're asleep all the time, you know, 16 hours a day. We see oftentimes that babies have their days and their nights confused at first, so they're sleeping more during the day and awake more at nighttime. I kind of call it like they're jet lagged, where before they're born, while mom is up and moving around during the day, that's very soothing for babies, so they sleep more during our day. And then while mom is trying to sleep at nighttime, they're awake and moving around. And that takes a while after they're born to kind of switch to our days and nights. Well, I've never heard it explained like that, but it certainly makes sense to me. What are some tips that we would give for new parents about helping the baby be able to make that adjustment? You know. Yeah. The big things is to try to encourage them to know days and nights. So during the day, shades up, lights on, noises going around, they'll sleep through it for the most part at the beginning. And then at nighttime, you know, lights down and dim, try to be as quiet as you can, not necessarily play with your baby, you know, try to encourage them that this is the time to sleep. Wonderful. One of the only ways that our our child can communicate with us, you know, in the early stages of their life is by crying in those types of of noises. How do you know if a baby is crying too much and what they need when they're making these sounds? Yeah. Crying, like you said, is one of the only ways to communicate for a baby. On average, most babies can cry, you know, two, three, four hours in total over a 24-hour period, which when you say it like that sounds like a lot, especially when they sleep a lot of the time. It can take some time for you to, to know kind of what your baby's cry means. And I usually suggest for families, if you can, try to keep track on a piece of paper or there's lots of phone apps that you can use. You know, when the baby last woke up, when the baby last ate, when you last changed a diaper, because then you can kind of run through a checklist in your head of, okay, my baby's crying. They just woke up a half an hour ago. It's not quite time for them to go back down. They just ate 10 minutes ago and they don't seem like they're hungry. Oh, I haven't changed a diaper in a couple hours. Let's go check the diaper and see if that's the, the problem. There's other things too, you know, if it's too bright, too loud, they're too warm or they're uncomfortable in their clothes, that's another way that they cry in order to indicate those things. So it can take time to kind of figure it out. And we all learn just by (laughs) these trial and errors. And I think your suggestion of being able to monitor this and and make yourself notes, because you'll you'll forget. Yeah. Just like anything else, you'll forget. So if you're just tuning in, we're talking about how to care for babies in the first months after birth. Valleywise Health offers exceptional care for children and adults at over a dozen locations across Maricopa County. If you need medical care or have questions for one of our clinicians, visit valleywisehealth.org to get started. Certainly, we read a lot in the literature around breastfeeding and how long should we breastfeed versus bottles and bottle feeding using formula. Is there some of these things uh, that we should be encouraging parents as they're bringing a newborn coming home from the hospital? Mm -hmm. Uh, I know the American Academy of Pediatrics or the AAP does recommend for women to breastfeed or give pumped milk exclusively for the first six months of life and continue on afterwards while they're introducing complementary complementary foods 
like purees and solids as the baby grows. But that can be difficult for some women. Breastfeeding, you know, we all imagine it as this easy thing. You know, babies are born to breastfeed. You know, it'll work perfectly, but sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it's a struggle for both mom and baby. There's lots of resources that we have to offer, both um, pediatricians, family practice doctors, nurse practitioners, also certified lactation consultants can help the mom and the baby work on the breastfeeding skill. But sometimes, no matter how many people we see to help us with that, sometimes it just doesn't work or for other reasons the mom may not be able to breastfeed. Formula is a great option um, to help either supplement if mom's not making enough milk or as the sole nutrition for babies. So it, it really depends on the, on the situation, on the, the mom and the baby. So how soon is it safe to use a bottle? You talked about pumping breast milk and using breast milk exclusively that may not come from the breast. Is it okay to introduce a bottle right away for these infants? It depends on the situation. There are some schools of thought that say if you do want to exclusively breastfeed and give a bottle every once in a while, try to hold off on introducing a bottle until breastfeeding is securely established. If uh, you know you just want to do formula or you're, you're planning on pumping and giving pumped milk, then introducing a bottle initially can, can be fine. We recommend talking to your doctor about that. One of the questions, you know, in a bottle, it's very easy to see the amount of mm-hmm. formula or the amount of milk that the baby's been able to drink. So how would I know that my baby is actually getting enough to eat? Mm-hmm. That's a great question and definitely one we get often because yes. it, it's hard to tell. For breastfed or bottle-fed babies, one of the ways that we will ask families about is how many wet diapers are they having? If your baby's getting enough nutrition, we expect on average, you know, five or six wet diapers a day or a wet diaper with every feed. So that can be, you know, eight to 10 to 12, depending on how often they're they're feeding. If you're seeing less wet diapers than that, definitely something to bring up with your doctor. The other thing that sometimes can be helpful is when they're feeding, we recommend about eight to 12 feeds a day as in the newborn or young infant stage, which works out to be every two to three hours from the start of one feed to the start of the next feed. And so if you're feeding less than that, that can indicate maybe that they're not getting enough to eat. And then if the baby pulls away from the breast or turns their head away from the bottle, sometimes that also indicates that they're done. They've got enough. They don't want any more. Very smart. You know, we're humans. We've adapted very well to some of these types of things. So you talked a little bit about the wet diapers. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And that's, you know, yeah. and that can be very irritating to the skin. So mm-hmm. how can we help those newborns avoid rashes and diaper rash, you know, uh, with all of those wet diapers? The thing that we typically recommend is, you know, kind of keeping track of, you know, when the last time you checked the diaper was. Most of the time, like we said, you'll get a wet diaper with just about every feed. And so changing those, you know, around the time when you notice the wet diaper can be helpful. The big thing comes when the baby poops because the poop can be very irritating to the skin and that can increase the risk of a diaper rash. So if you are noticing um, any redness or irritation, bumps around in the diaper area, putting on some diaper cream can be helpful to both protect the skin from the next wet or poopy diaper um, and allow the skin, skin to heal. What foods do we typically recommend people introduce first and about when any foods that we should be avoiding as we introduce some of those new things to the diet? Yeah, so definitely we recommend talking to your baby's doctor about when to introduce foods um, and you know what specific ones um, they may suggest to avoid because every baby has a different situation. But most babies are able to start with soft purees between four to six months of age, depending on their development and you know other situations. That can be baby oatmeal, which is really finely ground and, and blended so that 
it's very smooth um, and it's also fortified with iron which can be helpful um, or even some vegetable or fruit purees. There's no, no research that has shown starting with vegetables helps your baby like vegetables more when they get older or starting with fruits so either one is fine. Pediatrician Dr. Emily Miller is answering your top questions about newborn babies. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at ValleyWise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. What are some of the other top questions that you will get as a pediatrician as families are bringing a newborn home for the first time? One of the big ones is about jaundice or yellow skin. Um, jaundice uh, refers to the level of what's called bilirubin in the baby's blood. Bilirubin is something that all babies and even we have as adults have, um, and it comes from kind of the, the normal red blood cell breakdown. Red blood cells help give our body oxygen. The babies, uh, when they're first born, have a hard time getting rid of it. And so we check at about 24 hours of life to make sure that that level, the jaundice level or bilirubin level, isn't getting too high. Uh, and then we may closely monitor it depending on what that level was or any risk factors that we're concerned about. It's not unusual to see a little bit of yellowing of the skin for the first week, two, maybe even three weeks of life, but it is, it is not normal if you notice the skin getting yellower and yellower and yellower. So definitely talk to your baby's doctor about that if you're, if you're concerned. One of the other things we often get questions about is constipation. Babies' poops are very different from older kids' and adult poops because breast milk and formula is really designed for babies, so sometimes they don't have anything to poop out. So we can see, you know, in the first couple days of life, first couple weeks, uh, also they can poop with every feed. It might just be a little bit, might be a lot. And then sometimes that changes where they go maybe once a day, once every few days, once a week. As long as they're pooping once every 10 days, that poop is soft, mushy, or liquidy, they're otherwise feeding well and having good wet diapers, then that actually is normal. So how often should I expect to bring my newborn to see my pediatrician or family physician? The doctor will commonly see the baby every day in the hospital until your baby's discharged. And then we'll commonly see them in the office within the first about three or four days of life, depending on any concerns that the doctor has or any concerns that you have. And then, you know, if your baby's jaundice level or yellow skin is on the higher side or the weight loss has been more than what we would expect after birth, then we might see babies every every couple days, once a week, until things improve. And then most offices will have either a two-week checkup or a one-month checkup, and then they start with kind of the regular schedule at, at two months. So what, other than weighing the baby, what are some of those other things that we should expect at those first visits? Typically, we'll weigh the baby every time they come for their, their checkups. The doctor or um, provider will ask, you know, how are they feeding? Do you have any concerns about how they're feeding? How many wet diapers or poopy diapers they're having? How is everybody else doing at home with the baby? It's a great chance for us to check in with the family as well because lots of families have questions, concerns. There's other kids at home that may have a hard time welcoming a new baby into the house. And then at that, typically that first or second visit in the clinic, we'll also order what's called 
called the newborn screen. We do two here in the state of Arizona. It's a heel poke that we get blood from. The first one is done at 24 hours of life, and then we order the second one at one of the office visits. And that is a screen that looks at 29 different metabolic and genetic disorders. Um, we commonly will get the results back by about one month of age, but oftentimes they'll let us know sooner by phone. The doctor's office will let, let know sooner by phone if there's any concerns. How much weight should we expect our newborn to start to gain as they're being coming home from the hospital? So one thing that may be very surprising for lots of families is that we as providers expect babies to lose weight yeah. initially after birth. And we get lots of like, what do you mean my baby's lost weight? Totally normal. They come with a little extra baggage when they're born to get through those first few days or week or so while feeding's getting established. So we, we closely monitor it and we expect babies to get back to their birth weight by around two weeks of life, sometimes sooner, sometimes a little later, depending on how feeding is going. And then once they get back to their birth weight, we'll see babies gain about an ounce a day for the first few months. How often should we be bathing or cleaning our newborn baby? Thankfully, most babies don't get very dirty. <laughs> yep. Certainly, you know, they often spit up or they may have big blowout diapers, which can be a reason to, to clean them up in, yeah. the, in the bath might be easier than just wiping them down. Uh, so most kiddos, it, on average, you know, once every two to three days or, you know, once or twice a week is more than enough. You don't need to give a baby a bath every day. What are some other milestones that new parents should be paying attention to as the baby starts to develop? For example, when should we see uh, them laugh? Most babies in the first few weeks of life, you know, they, they have a hard time seeing because they really only see up close. They're just there eating, sleeping, and peeing and pooping. Commonly around a month of age, we'll start to see them smiling more, oftentimes first in their sleep, um, and then starting to interact a little more. So following you as you walk around the room or following other siblings with their eyes, and then starting to laugh sometime around two months and after two months. So, you know, as babies are fussing, we've talked a little bit about the feeding around this. One of the other things that we often see is a pacifier mm -hmm. that many parents and families will use to help soothe a newborn. Mm -hmm. Is that something that pediatricians are recommending or is that a choice that each individual family can make? I definitely think it's a choice that each family can make. I know a lot of pediatricians will recommend using pacifiers to help calm a baby, help soothe a baby, because that sucking reflex is very calming, releases endorphins in the baby's brain and, and kind of calms them down a little more. Just like with introducing bottles, it is an individual choice because some um, there are some recommendations to wait until breastfeeding is fully established because the act of sucking on that pacifier can sometimes interfere with that latch for breastfeeding. But it is up to every family and, and we're happy to support whatever the family wants to, to choose. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with pediatrician Dr. Emily Miller about your top questions regarding newborn babies. So as our baby gets older, are there certain things that we need to be doing around the house to make our house more friendly for children as they're progressing from that newborn stage to being able to move about the house? It may seem like it's a long way away when you have a newborn, but your baby will be crawling before you know it. One of the 
big things that I recommend is, and a lot of people recommend, is kind of getting down on the level of your baby. Because, you know, we see things up at a very tall level or, you know, when we're seated on a chair, we see things up high. But your baby is down on the floor. That's where they're going to see the things that are interesting to them. So get down on your baby's level. Look for any small objects. You know, the things that we worry about are, are smaller than what can pass through the, like the toilet paper tubes, the inside of a, a toilet paper roll. That's a choking hazard for your baby that loves to put everything in their mouth. So making sure all those those choking hazards are put away or put up high where they can't reach. And then any chemicals, um, medications, cleaning supplies, anything that, that's at a lower level or even when they start standing at somewhere where they might be able to reach, putting up very high or putting locks on the cabinets. You know, one of the ways that I was taught to help kind of soothe one my girls were really little was swaddling the baby mm-hmm. so is that something that is still recommended that we should do to give the, the the child some of that closeness or some of that comfort yeah after they're born you know babies or really before they're born babies are in a very small enclosed space that's very comforting when they come out they have more space than what they know what to do with. Um, swaddling can help soothe your baby, you know, putting that, that pressure on them around their, around their body. Um, it can help them fall asleep, and it helps to kind of decrease or muffle that startle reflex or the moro reflex that we see in babies, mm-hmm. where if there's loud noises, the baby moves suddenly, their hands startle up, and that can wake them up or even keep them awake. It's important, though, with swaddling to make sure that the swaddle is not too tight around their lower half of the body because that can that can cause some issues with their legs moving and, and cause some problems with the hips so tight around the body kind of looser around around the legs i think that's a great tip around those things so how can us parents do what we can to make sure that we're doing enough to bond with the baby and kind of a corollary to that is can i spoil the baby by holding them too much bonding with the baby is is a very easy thing to do for for lots of lots of families in the newborn stage, you don't need fancy toys. You don't need really hardly anything other than your your arms, your your face, um, and just the interactions with your baby. Holding your baby close so that they can um, feel the warmth from your skin, even doing skin to skin rather than just through t-shirts or onesies. Hearing your heartbeat, that's very, very calming and, and soothing for babies. You can put them on a mat on the floor or, you know, if you're sitting on, on the bed and just kind of hold them, prop them up against your knees while you're sitting on a couch and just hold them, look at them, talk to them. They, they love interacting like that. Our faces are very interesting to our babies after they've been in the womb for, you know, almost nine months so that's that's a great great way to interact with them a lot of families look at me like I'm silly when when I say this but talking to your baby you know they're not gonna respond necessarily to you right away but they love hearing your voice they love hearing the words interacting with you you know if you're cleaning the dishwasher putting away the dishes say oh look at this orange plate this one is blue you know this one is a bowl they they like to hear those things and, and interact with you that way and no you can't spoil a baby they some babies need that that um, closeness that comfort in order to be able to feel safe to explore the rest of rest of the world so if um if family members say you're spoiling the baby because you won't put them down or you know you're holding them or responding to their cries too soon please tell them that you can't spoil a baby that way they they want that comfort they need that to um to feel safe Dr. Miller, kind of we're reaching our time here together today. You know, what are some of the top three things that you would like to leave families with as they're bringing a newborn home from the hospital? 
That's tough because there's so, so many things. Um, I think probably a big one is don't hesitate to reach out to your, your doctor's office, your, your provider's office. If you have questions or concerns, that's what we're here for. We've got lots of experience with um, helping other families go through the same ex exact things that you've gone through or that you are going through. Um, one big thing that I'd like to mention is um, car seats can be very nerve-wracking. Uh, if you can, read through the car seat manual before your baby's born so you understand how to strap your baby in, how to put it in the car seat. Um, unfortunately, at the ho at all hospitals, there isn't anyone that's certified to help you put your baby in your car seat or put the car seat into the car. There are, I do know, um, and there's a few other options, but I know the city of Phoenix has some trained um, certified car seat safety technicians in their fire departments, and you can look on their website to schedule an appointment so that they can check the car seat before or at any time. Another big thing is try not to compare your baby or your child to other kids, um, even your own other children. Every baby, every child develops on their own timeline, and development happens in a range of times. So even though you know smiling often happens at a month, some babies do it a little sooner, some babies do it a little later. Don't hesitate to ask your doctor if you have concerns about your, your child, but you know don't be surprised if your doctor says everything's progressing as it should. And certainly, if your doctor does have some concerns, don't think you did anything wrong. Some kiddos need just a little extra assistance to, to reach their milestones in, in a, a general time frame. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Miller, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can access all our blogs and podcasts at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the healthcare providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you that's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.